So starting a new series today. It's called Building Blocks. So if you're our guest today, you, you've come the perfect Sunday. We're starting a brand new thing. And this is going to feel a little bit differently than some of my other sermons might feel. It might feel a little bit more like a class. And that is because my job is to not only to inspire you and encourage you, but to equip you. And so in this series, we're not only talking about what we do as Christians in this Building Blocks series, but also how we do it. Okay, so I'm, I'm hoping each sermon in this series is equal parts why and also how. So it's going to be super practical. So if you're a note taker, there's probably going to be some things today that you might write down that will help you and bless you. Specifically today, we're talking about prayer, why we pray and how to do it. So there might be some things you want to remember. I'm also, unlike normal sermons where I'm just in one scripture most of the time, explaining one truth from that word uh, in God's word. Today, I'm going to be all over God's word because there's a lot that the Lord says about prayer. So I won't even be offended if you get out your phone at one point and take a picture of a scripture or something on the screen that you want to remember for later. That's fine as long as you don't check ESPN while you're doing it. So if you want to do that, I'm fine with it this morning. Okay, come with me here to Luke chapter 11, verse 1. <clears throat> one day, Jesus was praying, praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, what strikes me about this is that the disciples of Jesus knew how to pray. I mean, you don't grow up a little Jewish boy in that time and space and not learn how to pray. Every single one of them prayed every single day and learned a lot about prayer. And yet, these guys who knew how to pray and prayed all the time still felt like they didn't know how to pray and didn't know what they were doing when they prayed. Can anybody resonate with that? Has anybody ever felt that way? I pray, I do it pretty regular, and sometimes I don't have any idea what I'm doing or whether it's doing anything at all, okay? Anybody have that feeling? 77% of Americans say that they pray. 77%. You're gonna, I mean, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a statistic where 77% of Americans it applies to. And that number is 20% higher than the percentage of Americans who say they are religious, which is pretty striking, isn't it? The people who don't even identify as being a person of faith find themselves reaching out to the God they're not even sure they believe in. Think about that. It's pretty powerful. Apparently, we are hardwired for connection with God. And so today, I want to talk really practically about what prayer is and how we can do it. Because my guess is, if I were to ask you, how's your prayer? The very few of you, myself included, would say, it's awesome, could not improve at all. Couldn't be better. Right? Most of us desire that our lives of prayer with Christ Jesus and God the Father would grow. So I want to talk with you about that this morning. But let me think with you for just a second about what prayer is doing for us. Okay, So Paul says this in Colossians. We looked at this last week together. Colossians 1, starting in verse 10. He prays that the Colossians would live a life worthy of the Lord, a high standard, and please him in every way. And then he explains what that kind of life would look like, one thing after another. He says, you would be bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, and giving joyful thanks to the Father. And then in the verses following that, he goes on to explain what the gospel is. And so if I were going to say, 
where prayer is in that list of four things, I would locate it as the bottom three. Growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, giving joyful thanks to the Father. And what I want you to see is that everything else you do in your life bearing fruit and every good work is built on, resting on what's happening when you pray. Okay, I want you to see that this morning. All right, but time out here. Some of you, when we start talking about prayer, you, and I've been there, have the desire to grow in that, but are daunted because prayer has been really hard for you. When I was in high school, our youth group, we went on this thing called Wilderness Trek, and it was pretty awesome. They took a bunch of city-dwelling teenage kids to the mountains of Colorado, and we would climb a mountain together over a couple days. But on the third day on the mountain, you wouldn't hike at all. You would stay at base camp. This was the day before the summit push. And you would pray for three hours by yourself somewhere in the woods. Okay. There was nothing I wanted to do in my life at that time more than climb mountains. And nothing I wanted to do in my life less than pray by myself for three hours. It was almost enough to make me not want to go on this trip. I can't tell you how good and sweet that time was. And this is why, so if you're a person like that for whom prayer is daunting, it's because the Lord promises you his help if you'll pray. And the way he promises that is through the Holy Spirit. Look with me at this at Romans 8, 26 and 27. Like I said, we're going to look at a lot of passages today. You may want to take a picture and go back and look at this later. Look at this. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. How is it? Well, we don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. He says, if you don't know how to pray, if praying is hard for you, I promise if you have my Spirit, I'll help you. Okay. This is why when I'm talking to some people about baptism, this is one of the reasons we get baptized, okay? Sometimes people are thinking about baptism, they put it off because they feel like I need to pray more to qualify myself to have the Holy Spirit. What I want them to know is you need the Holy Spirit to qualify your prayers. Like that's what gives your prayer prayer power. And that is what God offers you if you will give himself, yourself to him, is he is going to give himself to you. He's going to meet you there and come and be with you when you pray to him. Okay, so let me start with a promise. All right, so we're starting with God promises you you his help, but Jesus gives you instructions on prayer. So no talk about prayer is complete unless we talk about how Jesus tells us to pray. So come with me to Matthew 6. Let me show you this. This is in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says this. Let me, let me start with verse 5, and then we're going to jump to verse 9. Let me just look, look with you at verse 5. And when you pray. Jesus doesn't start with, hey, here's one of the things I want you to do. I really want you to think about praying. It's great. I recommend it. No, he assumes his people are talking to God. He just assumes it. Okay. When you pray, this then is how you should pray. And you know this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. If prayer is hard for you, just pray that. Those are the words. One of my mentors, he prays the Lord's Prayer every morning three times in a row. It's the first thing he does when he gets out of bed. He calls it his Pledge of Allegiance every day. You remember saying the Pledge of Allegiance back in school? He says it's Pledge of Allegiance to the Lord through the Lord's Prayer every day. Think about how your day would go differently if you pledged yourself to him in the morning through the Lord's Prayer. If you don't know what to pray, Jesus says, here, just pray this. That's one way to think about it as a script for prayer. The other way to think about the Lord's Prayer is a template for prayer. So let's throw this up on the screen. And you might think about the categories that are in this prayer that you might script your own prayer off of. So look at this. You could start with adoration. Start by adoring the Father. He's your Father. What a precious gift that is. You get to talk to the Father just adore him to begin. And look at this, praise, hallowed be your name. That means your name is holy. It's above all other names. It's unlike any other name. And then surrender and submission. Your kingdom come, not mine. Your will be done, not mine. And then request, ask. You probably got things going on in your life. Give us this day our daily bread. Well, Jesus says, if you got something going on in your life, you should ask me for help. You should knock at the door, ask, request and ask, and then repentance and confession. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Confession's a really important part of prayer. God, where am I at with you? What's wrong in my life? Forgive me of this. And then end with praise or thanksgiving for thine is the kingdom. You see those categories? For, for the record, if you're looking at Matthew 6, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You're like, that's not there. It's from 1 Chronicles 29. Christians added those together because they felt like we need to end in praise for the words that Jesus has given us. Okay, so that's where that comes from and why it's there. Um, maybe you grew up, did anybody grow up with the acronym ACTS? Does anybody remember this? So some of you are nodding your head if you've been around Churches of Christ for a while. So adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Now that might be an order to your prayer, which I like. I just have no idea what supplication means. So I, I use this other one, but if that works for you, Acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication, you can do that. Okay, this is everything we've been talking about so far. Imagines prayer as talking to God, talking to God. And Jesus talks to God all the time, God the Father. He talks to God uh, when he's in public, when he's alone, when he's about to heal somebody, when he's going to perform a miracle, when he's about to eat. Jesus talks to God all the time. That's a really limited view of what prayer is because biblically speaking and in the example of Jesus, prayer is talking with God. I think about Luke chapter 6 where Jesus is about to pick the 12 apostles. You know what he does? He prays all night long presumably so that God will tell him what to do, who to choose. Or you'll remember before Jesus goes to the cross, what does he do? He prays all night long. And what he says is very short and small. Not my will, but yours be done. And the rest of the time, the Lord is, as one scholar put it, sorting him out, getting him ready to do what he has called him to do. Part of being a Christian is to hear God, isn't that crazy? 
That's crazy, but look at what Jesus says. Look at this. This is John chapter 10. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. This is part of it. He calls his own sheep by name. He leads them out. And when he has brought out all of his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. That's what separates you and me from the rest of the world is we're used to listening to him. That's it. Think about that. How do I do that? Well, for me, usually it's just a nudge. Um, it's something small. The other day in prayer, a guy came to mind. Didn't know why he came to mind. I reached out to him later on, and he confessed he was caught up in sin and needed help. I just feel like the Lord nudged me in that. Um, Kevin Shelby, who I asked to do the Lord's Supper a second ago, he leads a ministry called Freedom Prayer. And kind of like you experienced there, the whole design is to be with people who are used to listening to Jesus, who can help you hear what Jesus is saying. They're starting a Wednesday night series coming up this week called First Freedoms, which is all about listening to Jesus. So if you want to grow in that, I encourage you to sign up and come be part of that. Okay. But you don't have to raise your hand. I will. Sometimes listening's hard, right? And the biggest problem for me when it comes to listening to God is distraction. How many of you, you started your year 2024 and you're like, I'm going to be a rock star at prayer this year. And you sat down and you made it about five minutes and then you were thinking about what you had to do that day. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, you were thinking about something going on with your kids, what you had to get done at work, and all these things that came to mind. And all of a sudden, you weren't praying anymore. You know what that's like? Anybody? Okay, just, just me, apparently. Okay, so what I have learned about distraction, I learned on a trip on the Mississippi River a few years ago. So I think we got a picture from the Mississippi River. We took this canoe trip down the river. This wasn't a picture that we took, but a group of men traveled down the Mississippi River together, and we camped on sandbars in the middle of the Mississippi overnight, two nights out in the middle of the Mississippi River. And the whole time, you're saying, is this safe? Like, you're, not, you know, you're not really sure. But what I loved was that it gave me a window into my time of prayer, because on the Mississippi River, constantly there are barges going up and down the river, okay? And one of the things I realized was I have no control over those barges coming up and down the river. They don't care about me. I'm not on their schedule. I can't dictate when they're coming. They're just coming by. And so what I learned was I should just acknowledge that barge, wave to it, and let it go on by. And a similar thing happens to me when I think about what comes to mind in prayer. I try to treat it like I'm standing on a sandbar and there are barges coming by. Something comes into my mind, I wasn't planning on being there. I don't have any control over that, it just came in. But if I get mad about it, if I get mad about what's distracting me, I'm more distracted. You know, if I get mad about what's distracting me, suddenly my anger is another distraction preventing me from the peace the Lord wants me to have. So what I do in prayer, this helps you maybe, is I acknowledge those things that come by and I, then I just let them float on by, and I get back to it, okay? And I try not to let it rob me of the moment that I'm in. Maybe that'll help you. It's helped me. You know what helps, helps with distractions? Get up early and pray. Uh, Jesus got up early and prayed as part of his routine. Some of us are like, man, I'm not a morning person. And that's fine. You can pray at night. I think God allows it, but I'm sure he allows morning prayer because Jesus did it, right? I'm pretty sure he 
allows that. I was talking to a young dad this week. We had lunch together. And I was asking him about his prayer life. He's got like an 18-month-old and I think a four-year-old. And we both agreed that nothing makes prayer as difficult as having a baby. Okay, you have the baby, and in those first 24 hours, you have never been so prayerful and grateful to God. 48 hours later, you've totally forgotten about God because you haven't slept, right? And getting up early and all those rhythms kind of fly out the window, okay? I'm so thankful for the blessing of children, but it can be hard to get up early. I know that. So let me show you this. Look what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians. He gives us this visual. He says, rejoice always, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. For Paul, prayer was a part of his daily life. He was praying all the time. And he said, that's actually possible for you. That You can work prayer into making your kids lunchbox in the morning or changing diapers. Like all those can be times when you're praying. There was a guy named Brother Lawrence. He worked in a monastery. He wasn't one of the monks. He just worked there. And his job was to wash dishes. And it took him all day, pretty much. He was constantly cleaning up breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So many monks doing dishes all day. And he thought, I came to the monastery to pray, and all I'm doing is washing dishes. Like, don't these guys know I'm here? Some of you are nodding your head, all the dishes you wash. Okay. And what he learned was, I can pray when I wash dishes. He called it practicing the presence of God. And eventually the monks in that monastery were coming to Brother Lawrence to teach them how to pray. My mentor in college, he took the radio out of his truck because he had about a 30-minute drive out in West Texas into Abilene that he would take every day to and from the school. And he didn't want to be distracted during that time when he could be praying. So he took the radio out of his truck. He had this big hole in his dashboard. And I always thought that was a little extreme. You know, you could just leave it off. He, he took it out, okay? Some of you, maybe you go on walks in the morning or in the evening. There's a long, rich history of Christians who walk and pray at the same time, right? Maybe you can do that, okay? What about big prayers? What comes to mind for me is that passage Brecian read earlier in Ephesians 6. And so what Paul says in Ephesians is that we think our enemies are the things all around us. The things making our lives difficult are my boss at work, my coworker, something going on in my life, something going on with my car. And he says, those aren't the problems in your life. The problem is the power behind those things. That there's an evil one out there who wants to make your life hard. And so when he says, when you're going up, the, up against that kind of power, what you need to do more than anything else is look at this, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. The most important thing you can do is pray big prayers against big enemies and big impossibilities in your life because that is the source of the power that you need. So let me give you a visual for this. Um, uh, I, I get this from Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was a missionary. We're going to put this up on the screen here. Hudson Taylor was a missionary in China. He went there in the 1850s when basically there were no Christians in China. And when he got there, he was abused dramatically. It started terribly. He thought there was a possibility there would never be a single Christian in China. He began to pray about this. And over time, his 50 years he was there, 800 other missionaries came to join him in China. They converted 20,000 people, started 300 churches. And today in China, there are between 20 and 100 million Christians. 
And if you look at their family tree, there is a sense in which every single one of them connect back to Hudson Taylor. And what Hudson Taylor said was, when he got there, he could not imagine that possibility. It was so beyond the realm of possibility, but over time, God brought reality into alignment with the big prayers he and other saints were praying. Just a few months ago, there was a brother. I've been praying for this guy for 10 years. Walked away from the Lord, became an avowed atheist. I've been praying for him for 10 years, and other people at this church have been praying for me. He called me the other day. He said he was in town, and we met at that little table right outside the offices over there. We talked for two hours. You know what he told me there? He said, Eric, I think I might be a Christian again. And I never saw that coming. And what I want you to see is sometimes we're going to see the linear, linear progress of the situations we are praying out about towards what we're praying for, but sometimes it's going to seem like a leap and we don't see the way that God is secretly working in response to the prayers of the saints to accomplish what we think is impossible. If you've got a big thing in your life, you need to pray about it. Um, let's talk about praying for other people for a second. Uh, how many of you, somebody has asked you to pray for them before? Anybody ever got that request? How many of you have forgotten to pray for them before? All right, me too. All right, me too. You know what's made the biggest difference for me in praying for people? Writing it down. Writing it down. Shout out to a brother here who gave me this cool leather journal. It makes me want to write in it a lot more. But I've just started writing down the things I'm praying for. It has changed the game for me when it comes to interceding for people. Listen to this. Listen to some of the things I'm praying for right now. I always start with Lindsay. Uh, she's the greatest gift in my life apart from Jesus Christ. So I'm always going to pray for her first and us as parents. And then I pray for my three boys, Noble, Foster, and Deacon. I pray for things they got going on in their lives. And then I have in parentheses outside Noble, Foster, and Deacon, I have parentheses and their future wives. That's, one of the, that's my favorite part of the prayer time. Because I just picture there's some little girl somewhere whose parents are tucking her into bed tonight who are praying over her. I wonder about what they're pouring into her heart about Jesus. I wonder where she's going to church. And just the thought of that just gives me so much joy. And then I start thinking like, I wonder if I know her. You know, I wonder if she's here at Highland and we're friends with their parents. And I don't know that. It's possible. So let me just say, if you're the parent of little girls, start praying for the gentry boys. Start doing that right now. I'm praying for Highland Church, things that we got going on here. I'm praying for three people right now who are thinking about baptism. Uh, one of my commitments in 2024 is to pray for baptisms. In 2023, we had about 46 baptisms, almost 50. So I'm praying for more in 2024. And I've had three people reach out to me in the first week of this year saying that they want to be baptized. I'm praying for them by name. Maybe today's the day, guys. Maybe today's the day. I'm praying for several people who are dealing with medical stuff. We got cancer treatments here. I'm praying for their families. I'm praying for this young woman who grew up here at Highland, had a huge surgery on Friday this week down in Houston praying for a brother who's in Germantown Methodist Hospital right now. I got to see him last night battling serious infection. One of our elders dealing with dizziness. Here's a brother's deep in sin, deep in sin, praying for him. Man, I can't tell you what a difference it's made for me to write it down. Here's my conviction. If the Lord brings somebody to me, it's because he wants me to bring them to him. Let me show you this. This is from Colossians. This is Colossians 1 verse 9. Look at this. For this reason, Paul says, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you, and we continually ask God to fill you. 
The great preacher Charles Spurgeon, he looked at this. He says, you want to know what makes prayer powerful is when you pray immediately for somebody since the day we heard about you. He says, you want to know what makes prayer really powerful when you pray incessantly. We have not stopped. We continue to ask God. When you don't stop praying for somebody. And he says, you want to know what makes prayer really powerful? Look at the pronouns. We, we, we. He says, what makes prayer most powerful is when you don't pray by yourself, when you're praying with other people incessantly, immediately, and uh, I need another I. Not independently. <laughs> Not independently. Pray with others. Oh my goodness, I got so much I want to say um, um, over time. Let me end with this. If you're still daunted about prayer, you're like, I don't know. I'd love to. It sounds really good. I'm just not really sure why you would do it. Let me hear this. This is from Henry Nowen. Maybe you'll relate to this, and we'll end with this. Why should I spend an hour in prayer when I do nothing during that time but think about people I'm angry with? People who are angry with me, books I should read, books I should write, and thousands of other silly things that happen to grab my mind for a moment. The answer is because God is greater than my mind and heart. And what is really happening in the house of prayer is not measurable in terms of human success and failure. What I must do, first of all, is to be faithful. If I believe that the first commandment is to love God with my whole heart, mind, and soul, then I should be at least able to spend one hour a day with nobody else but God. The question as to whether it is helpful or useful or practical or fruitful is completely irrelevant since the only reason to love is love itself. Everything else is secondary. The remarkable thing, however, is that sitting in the presence of God for one hour each morning, day after day, week after week, month after month, in total confusion and with a myriad of distractions, somehow radically changes my life. God who loves me so much that he sent his only son not to condemn me but to save me does not leave me waiting in the dark too long. I might think that each hour is useless, but after 30 or 60 or 90 such useless hours, I gradually realized that I was not as alone as I thought. And a very small, gentle voice has been speaking to me far above and from beyond my noisy place. So be confident and trust the Lord. Let me pray for you. God, would you make us your people, a people of prayer? Would you, by the power of Jesus Christ and the power of his Holy Spirit, teach us to pray? When we cannot, God, would you cry out through the Spirit in wordless groans, the cries of our heart? And we pray this knowing that you will because you've, you've promised it. Would you give us the power to come before you into your throne room of grace and receive the help we need. I pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.